Hi, this is Tony Khan, the producer and director of Morning Stories on WGBH-FM in Boston. For all of us, I guess there are moments of history that are really personal, depending upon our age and where we happen to be at the time. Uh, how many of us, for instance, remember the assassination of J.F. Kennedy? Well, I do. How about uh, the death of Princess Diana? Where were you that day? Or the murder of John Lennon? Well, we spoke to a guy recently named Felton Earls, who's a member of the faculty of the Harvard Medical School here in Boston. He came by not long ago to talk about what he did for a living. But the story he really told crystallized around the day that Martin Luther King Jr. died and how, in a sense, that became a whole new life for him. I grew up in New Orleans uh, to age 15, and then my family moved, much to my regret, to Memphis. New Orleans has wonderful food and wonderful music and beautiful women, and Memphis seemed backwards to me, and there was no Mardi Gras. There was no celebration. When I moved to Memphis, I realized how deeply segregated the South was compared to New Orleans. In the third year of high school, my second year in Memphis, I took uh, the scholastic aptitude test. So I made a grade that was uh, sufficiently high for a national merit fellowship, which meant that I had to take another exam. To take the final exam, we had to go to a central high school. There was only one high school in Memphis that gave the final exam. That was a white high school. I can't tell you all of the things that people did to try to keep me out of that high school. My principal called me in the office one day and he said, I have bad news for you. They made a mistake in scoring your exam. But you really didn't make that grade. We finally go to the high school. We can't sit in the same room with the other finalists because, well, we would distract them from a most important moment in their lives. I'd never doubted that I was smart, uh, loved, admired. But I think it was race, you know, that you, you can't do this, you can't go there. That that's, you know, separate fountains, separate uh, bus, you know, places on the bus, separate seats in the room. It got under my skin. W what was it about me or people like me that generated that kind of response. To remind America of the fierce urgency of now. This is no time to engage... I don't think it conquered me, but it was a part of reality that was every day, all the time. And, you know, maybe the legacy of this is that I, I find myself occasionally now doubting myself when there's no reason to doubt myself. Now is the time to rise from the dark and desolate valley of... I never really thought of doing anything other than being 
a chemist or a chemical engineer or something like that, you know, pure scientist. As I got to college, I was doing work in uh, a laboratory of neurophysiology at the University of Wisconsin on the brain of a cat, trying to understand in more detail where in the cerebral cortex the cat heard different sounds. To do that, you had to work in a soundproof room uh, so that you could deliver you know, these pure tones uh, with a great degree of accuracy. And, and in this case, it went on for 36 hours. When I emerged from the soundproof lab, I could immediately look out the window and see people running and throwing things and yelling and placards, you know. What had happened over the past 24 hours was King had been assassinated. But guess where? The Lorraine Motel, Memphis, Tennessee. Every day I went to high school, I had to walk by the Lorraine Motel. The image of his being on the balcony and being shot was all, you know, so vivid. It woke me up. I mean, that's the way I felt. I mean, it was a disaster. It was a catastrophe. Uh, I knew I could never go back into the lab again. Or surgical suite. The problem was out there in neighborhoods and communities and streets and schools. So uh, I committed myself to complete my training as a doctor, not as a scientist, to train myself in pediatrics and psychiatry for the purpose of addressing societal problems, not individual problems. I, I'm interested in how children grow up and how they succeed in growing up. There is the odd kid who will su succeed no matter what, but believe me, it's the odd kid. The elements of success are in schools, what kind of teachers you have, what kind of extended family one has. I've become more and more convinced that the elements of success in the kid comes from the community what kinds of adults are mentors and advisors and supporters of kids. Take away those people, kids are going to be much more lost. There's one kid I know very well in Chicago who came to Boston um, to go to school. He happened to be on a train one day that hit someone and killed him. He, felt he was overwhelmed by that event and never fully recovered from some sense that um, he was connected to the person who had been killed, maybe responsible in some way. Now here's a kid who two years earlier, I would have said, was invulnerable. No sense 
that taking him out of his element and putting him in a new environment and having him face something like that would have been the catastrophic event. But it was. That kid is a leader. That kid has the capacity to draw other kids into good activities, pro-social activities. But my friend hasn't recovered. The, the ill of society, the sickness of society, is something that really has to be, that has to be worked on. We can't just go like this. That was Professor Felton Earls with today's podcast of Morning Stories from WGBH-FM in Boston. Morning Stories, our podcast every Friday, is made possible in part with support from Ipswich, a leader in file transfer software. If you want more information, it's available for you at www.ipswich.com. That's Ipswich, I-P-S-W-I-T-C-H. I can still spell. I can even remember. Uh, Gary, I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but I remember the death of Martin Luther King. Gary Mott, what about you? What Do you remember anything from that? Given that I was born in uh, 1969, um, I really don't have many memories from that time or even the 70s. The 70s were kind of a blur for me. As they were for people who were much older as well. What about your first historical memory, though? Well, gee, you know, my first, my earliest historical memory, I remember waking up at four in the morning to watch uh, Charles and Diana's wedding. I was at, uh, at my great-grandmother's farm in Nebraska. It's probably a comfort to Charles to know that someone on Somewhere out there in Nebraska, somebody was having a nice pork chop in celebration of his wedding. One of my earliest memories of, of history was actually a very confused one. I'd gone to California uh, to go backpacking in the high Sierras at the time that we were supposed to be landing somebody on the moon. So the day that it happened, I was totally out of communication with everybody. Two days later, I came back to Yosemite Valley, eager to find out what the newspapers had to say about it, to read all the headlines, to have all of my personal fantasies come true. And guess what all the headlines were about? What, Tony? Ted Kennedy and Chappaquiddick. <laughs> it had been blown completely off the papers, and it was like totally up to me to decide what I thought was historically important, whether human beings had landed on the moon or whether somebody had gotten just a little bit crazy on his way back home from a party. So sometimes history is what you decided is, too. But, you know, uh, what has lived on is the image of Neil Armstrong on the moon with that golf club. I think for many younger people like myself, that has more of a way more historical significance than whatever happened, you know. Where is Chappaquiddick? <laughs> I'm sure Ch- Chappaquiddick isn't interested in having people know if that's the reason they want to go there. Actually, it's a nice place to play golf, I think, but, but not to go swimming in the Gulf. Um, yeah, I think what... What the papers tell you and what's in the headlines isn't necessarily what you have to decide history is. And uh, frankly, uh, thanks to you, I'm also now going to include as one of my important historical images the marriage of Princess uh, Diana with you sitting there in Nebraska uh, waving a pork chop. 
<laughs> given that it was four o'clock in the morning, the pork chops were still thawing in the, the barn. But uh, <laughs> Thanks a lot, Gary. Anything else you'd like to say? Uh, absolutely nothing except, uh, of course, go to our website. It's uh, updated weekly, and uh, we have all our stories available for streaming at wgbh.org slash morningstories. And we podcast every Friday, so um, let's keep the, keep the conversation happening. Send us an email at uh, morningstories at wgbh.org. Catch you next Friday. Bye-bye. Bye.